Is It Transphobic? will be addressing issues of transphobia and transmisogyny. We may also address issues of racism, classism, ableism, and various other intersectional issues in this podcast. So this is a trigger warning. The panelists on Is It Transphobic? will also use strong language. So listener discretion is advised. It's finally here, everyone. Uh, I say that because both we are once again late coming out with an episode, but also because, and more excitedly, we are finally focusing on the Trans Theater Festival 2017 happening at the Brick in Brooklyn. Uh, Now, the Trans Theater Festival in its entirety runs from July 17th through the 29th, uh, and it will be kicked off with a free cabaret preview. That is a free cabaret preview of a number of shows. Some of them are ones that are included uh, in this podcast. Other ones are just fantastic ones to check it out. So if you are interested in seeing it, that's going to be July 17th at 8 p.m. All right. Uh, And that's followed up by Maybe Burke's Accidental Trans Anthems on July 18th, as well as a number of other shows that are going to be going on. Uh, But... Yeah, if you want to see a free cabaret preview, you know you want to be there July 17th at 8 p.m. That said, why does this festival exist? What is this festival? So the Trans Theater Festival started last year at the Brick, and it's not necessarily the first of its kind to offer a festival specifically to trans creators for and about trans issues or not, just a space where trans creators can create. Uh, But at the same time, it is uh, one, it is a, a big one. It's a great one. And the Brick has, they opened it up last year as a means to uh, create a a specific festival. They do this every year, every summer. They have a themed festival. And last year they wanted to make the theme about trans art so that they would have an entire festival about trans art. And after talking to a number of the producers as well as uh, a number of the curators, they realized that there was a need for this in the community, not just for a one-off festival that they could say, all right, that was great, now we don't need to think about it anymore. They realized that need existed within our community, and so they've worked very hard to create this with other trans creators and mostly trans curators of the festival so that it will meet the needs that are being had. So all that said, the way that these episodes are going to work, and they're going to be very different, uh, but at the same time, kind of similar in that it's going to be a lot of people talking. Uh, This time, it's going to be people talking about their specific shows that they have coming up. So that being said, uh, it's going to be a little less, my voice is going to be a little bit more removed from it, except for the piece that I'm in. uh, And I'm going to try and make it more about them telling the story of their show and why you should come see their show. Uh, And it'll give you an idea of why we need trans theater, why trans theater festivals should exist all throughout the country, uh, but specifically, who are some of these trans creators? One more very selfish thing before we begin. If you're around this Wednesday, June 21st, uh, at 7.15, 
We're going to be doing a reading of one of my newest plays, Chasing the Ghost. It's all about a YouTube celebrity who uh, is having his nights ruined by being by having his feet tickled by a ghost. Uh, that said, hashtag ghost tickler. That's going to be as part of the Judson Arts Wednesday's Magic Time. Uh, so at 7.15, there will be a little bit of food, a little bit of drinks, and it'll all be free. Uh, and then at 8 p.m., we're going to read the play. And it's going to be a great time. Some of the folks that are a part of my show Oddity are in it. Samantha Turlington, uh, as well as Kelsey Jefferson Barrett. Uh, they're both going to be in the cast. So, if you're free, come on out to Judson Memorial Church, June 21st, 7.15. I'm Maybe Burke. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. And my show is Accidental Trans Anthems. I grew up in musical theater. Um, from the fourth grade, I was doing musicals. Um, mainly because my brother did them. Um, and then I was like, I want to do that. And then from being in musicals, I started choreographing musicals because I was a good dancer, apparently. Um, and through choreographing, I found that I really enjoy storytelling and I like the physical shaping of a story was really fun for me. And then when I went to college, I was studying directing and I was and still am a director um and then i started working with honest accomplice theater right after college and i was assistant director stage manager type human for them and then somebody dropped out of the cast and <laughs> maggie and rachel the co-artistic directors um took me to lunch one day and were like hey you want to be in the show you're going to be in the show. And then I was like, okay, I'm an actor again. Um, and Honest Accomplice, we devise all of our theater through the lens of women and trans people. So I was able to create the role that I was playing and I was able to write my own lines and make sure it was a role that I wanted to be playing because so often there aren't roles for people like me, for people like us. Um, there like aren't roles that I can play, which is why I... Not, it's not the reason I went to be a director and um, a choreographer, but it definitely influenced my decision to stop performing on top of that. Um, but I was able to actually like write my own work, and from that I started writing more work um, and de developing more characters that were like me and more things that I was comfortable portraying. Um, and then I've been lucky enough to also find things that other people have written that they want me to play as well, um, that I'm also very happy to be doing. And now I've kind of come full circle through like all of the jobs that you can have in theater back over to actor. <laughs> Ariel Mahler, who you know, um, mm -hmm. who is a wonderful human being, um, Ariel directed my solo show in Transfest last year, um, Love Letters to Nobody or Insignificant Others, and we have a funny little friendship, and occasionally we'll send each other like songs or stories or things that we deem to be accidental trans anthems, um, things that are basically not written for trans people, but we find our metaphors in them. Um, stories that are about finding your identity or about like not belonging in the world that you've been given to navigate um 
there's a lot of there's a lot of it in the world <laughs> a lot of things that are out there for us that people didn't intend to be for us the concept of the cabaret in particular which is only using songs obviously um the if you're familiar with musical theater um the prime example that i have is superboy and the invisible girl from next to normal because it's a girl singing about her dead brother and how her parents would prefer he be alive than she would mm. and for me to sing that he's the one you wish would appear he's your hero forever your son he's not here i am here that's my accidental trans anthem <laughs> i okay so yeah, I mm-hmm. do do a lot of heavy work. Yeah. Um, I do make people feel things <laughs> a little too often. Um, and, like, I adore my solo show that I did last year, Love Letters to Nobody. I have so much fun doing it, and I have a lot of fun hearing people respond to it, but it's also, like, really heavy and, like, looks at, like, abuse and, like, bad relationships that I've had. And I just wanted to be able to do something fun and free right now, um, while also making people think and having some more heavy moments. But I, I'm really interested. So when I was studying directing in college, I was very interested in like queering classics and like taking stories that people already know and just putting queer people into it to show that we have the same stories, we have the same lives, we can tell the same stories as you, they'll just be from our perspective. And that's what Accidental Trans Anthems is for me in a lot of ways, it's just like, my story isn't that unique. Britney Spears and Kelly Clarkson are singing my story in their own pieces and their own ways. You know, I can shape a through line of my life through Disney lyrics, you know? Like, we can have all of that. Um, And I think that's very important for me right now, where I am in my career, to be able to sing a bunch of songs that weren't meant for trans people. It's not, like, a trans piece, but it is a trans piece. You know, like, making cis people's work trans is really exhilarating for me. (laughs) If you want to see Accidental Trans Anthems, that'll be on July 18th at 7pm. Tickets are $20. And you can buy them on the link below. As an added bonus, if you donate to our Patreon with the link below, you will get to have access to the entire interview I had with Maybe. There's a number of things that we had to cut just due to time, uh, as well as due to my wanting to keep things a little bit more relevant to uh, the the focus. Uh, But on Patreon, we're going to be releasing that for anyone who subscribes, anyone who donates. Uh, That said, it will be available to all of you who unfortunately are unable to donate a month from now. Uh, I'm going to be releasing a number of other interviews and other things that are just in full that you might want to have access to throughout this period as well, but the first one's going to be maybe and I talking. Up next, I talked to Tony Kopensbarger about uh, their new piece, Laura's, which is fascinating. Uh, honestly, I, I could talk to Tony for 
hours about the idea of being a post-language poet. Uh, I had no idea what that was, and I was very excited to delve a lot deeper into what that is, uh, but also just the concept of Tony's play, because it's haunting but intriguing, and I love that. Tony Kokensparger. I'm working on a play called Laura's. I've been performing since I was five. Um, my 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 dad, when I was a kid, he uh, directed high school plays and would cast me in the young parts real early. Um, and then I've been trying to quit performing and writing since then, and it just keeps not working, more or less. Um, it's performing is like a necessary evil. Like um, I just really want to write and sit in my room and send that writing away and have everyone leave me alone forever but that doesn't exist mm. so I have to go out and do it and it's at this point um uh I've been I'm, I'm I'm pretty new to New York and I've been like working a lot quicker than I've ever worked before and producing um a lot more material because I just have more to say now I'm a little bit so there's a sense of um why outsource the job why send it I don't have I don't have time the the amount of like work I've been doing the amount of shows I've been trying to do I don't have time to um, find someone else and teach them how to do it and then put it up it's more of I just would rather at this point just go and go and go well make your own work is the thing they always mm. they always say I went to um, Ohio University for my VFA and that was the thing that whenever they brought in special guests every one of those guests that was the theme it was always do your own thing don't try to join on to I, especially now um, when we have the internet we have um, um, social media you can you can share your work in ways that I never dreamed growing up that I would have a box in my pocket that all my friends could see a poem I wrote yesterday today mm. you know what I mean like I never thought that the turnaround for like sharing your art has never been this quick before you've never been able to just make something and then it exists and then people are responding and um so especially because of that, there's no... And because all the industries exist already, why join something? Why, you know, like, why... Um, what's the Groucho, the Groucho Marx thing? Like, I don't want to um, be a part of any club that would have me as a member. Or yeah. Whatever. Like, why? That's not punk rock at all. Don't do that at all. What, what is a post-language poet? Um... Okay, so the, I mean, the last the last major literary movement was the um, language poets. So this is people like um, Charles Bernstein and Susan Howe. Um, uh, uh, this is looking to do whatever is next. It's the Chance the Rapper term. Chancellor Bennett coins it in a song. I'm pre-currency, uh, post-language, anti-label, pro-famous. I'm Broadway's Joan Namath, and but there's no like there's no actual conception of what that is yet so I'm sort of looking for that right now in all my work that's actually like what all of the main focus of my work is looking for is um, if you look at the uh, there's this there's this essay um, by David Foster Wallace where he mansplains um, uh, uh, the grammar wars for like 70 he reviews a dictionary for like 70 pages and it's actually like it's it's actually kind of great it's one of his better essays but um, uh, uh, this it talks about prescriptive versus um, non-prescriptive like use of language, and um, basically like people who say that words only exist in so far as th we have defined them, or um, words exist because of how they are used. And so um, this is looking for a sort of like ultimate push towards that, of a push towards anti-grammar, a push towards um, um, you're looking at um, 
using words as ultimately as they can possibly be used for the sake of ultimate song throughout. So Laura's is my first attempt at, um, uh, like, like ultimately you want to make something that sounds like almost like a foreign language, that sounds like babble, that sounds like inhuman uh, uh, speaking in tongues, and yet is constructed out of English uh, words or, um, you know, just natural words that already exist. Laura's was the first attempt mm -hmm. at um, this, and it was doing it in play form. I've been mostly doing it in um, uh, poetry pamphlets and zines lately, and then um, I've been doing um, videos on my Instagram every day of just, like, daily post-language practice of just putting this um, in the uh, uh, body as the first thing you do every morning to try to um, start your day with, like, ultimate mouth sounds, and um, it has a lot to do with... Uh, where language comes from, and I'm very interested in, um, um, you know, the first human being sort of trying to figure out what to do with this thing coming out of their mouths, like this, this, mm. um, it's a very, like, silly, like, this isn't how it works out, like, because of evolution, but, like, <laughs> but, like, like, it's mm. almost like this cartoon image of, like, a, like, the first, like, human person, like, walking out and opening their mouth and, Wah! and, like, not knowing what to do with that, because it's just, it's just noise. So with Laura's, it's a 55-page uh, 55 page play it's um, there still has to be a narrative there but you're trying to allow yourself as much freedom of vocabulary as possible throughout um, yeah and the play itself is trying to deconstruct like a very was a, trying to deconstruct a very strange thing that was happening in my life I was being followed by these two, I was meeting all these people who were exactly the same as each other and um, um, trying to figure out what would what that meant, and if they were the same people or not, and this, I, had, I had these two small affairs with these two people who both had um, they were both the same height, the same facial structure, the same um, uh, hair color, same skin tone, and same um, demeanor, same everything, and I met them in like the same room almost um, at different times, like, a, like months apart, and had to know, like, the second person I, like, like, part of the appeal was, like, I have to know if you're the same person as the first person, because I have a lot of evidence saying that I think you, I think you are, and I, because I've been seeing these people on trains, I've been seeing, um, uh, when I lived in Newark, I was, uh, uh, riding home on the PATH train every day, and I was doing these, like, writing sketches of people on the train, and, um, I, I'm, I'm glad I was doing them, because I have a record of one of these, because I watched a woman walk in, sit on the train, and then an identical woman, come in, sit down a seat apart from her, they're wearing the same outfit, they both have the same face, the same hair, the same, like, everything, and there's a bump in the train, and the second woman puts her hand over and touches the first woman's leg, and they just ride from it, the first woman's reading, she doesn't look up, she doesn't notice, she doesn't pay any minds, and her hand just sits on her leg, and the train just goes, and there's another bump, and the second woman looks and stirs and moves her hand, and sort of has a, like, a look on her face, and she doesn't really know what, something just in her mind, but she doesn't know what, and then she gets up and leaves in the next stop, and I didn't know what that was, and then I met two of them, and so that's sort of what the Laura's is about, and Laura's becomes this person's, like, name for, um, these people in their life, is, um, these like, if you're one of these, you're a Laura. Like, that's that's what you are. You're, like, a double of somebody. You're 
it's it's not a copy it's a human refrain there are two people that are the same and that's a problem because that's not how the world is supposed to function like mm. so it was very like it was it was um like sort of dealing with the madness of like a lot of loneliness i was going through and um like uh uh going through a breakup and like a lot of heartache while dealing with a lot of this chaos from the world come see Laura's it is uh, Thursday July 27th at 8.30pm um, tickets can be bought right now at bricktheater.com they are $20 uh, my name is Tony Kokensparger um, and this is a, a post language play about identity mysticism and relationships there was something that Tony said in the interview, uh, the idea of why would I pay someone else to perform something when I could just do it myself. And I feel like this is a very common uh, attitude, feeling, or mentality that we as trans people have adopted and in a lot of ways need to adopt in order to get our material out there. The idea that no one is going to work harder than you to make sure that your material exists and to make sure that your message is out there uh, and no one's going to know more than you do and so it's it's a similar thing that you're going to hear throughout a couple of these interviews uh, but in the same way Corbin Corbin Went talks about their issues finding uh, other actors to perform in their piece in much the same fashion it was, it's four characters, technically, but now that it's a solo piece, I'm playing all of them. But the problem, obviously, was finding, uh, it was finding older West Indian actors and then finding a, a non-binary trans character to play the lead. And we couldn't find anybody, really. We could find one character to play the, uh, the flight attendant. And uh, it just got to the point where I was like, okay, I'll have to do it. I'll do it for the workshop. And um, hopefully we can get away with that. And then people liked it a lot. Like people responded really, really well, the actors and the audience, and so I thought, okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to do something more with this. I'm Corbin. My pronouns are they, them. I also use she, her. It's totally fine. Just don't dude me. Um, and I'm working on Mongrel, which is a solo piece that I developed earlier this year with Living Room Theater, and I'm really looking forward to expanding it. It was initially a 20-minute piece, and now it's going to be 45, 50, hopefully. It was part of a, um, a development of uh, cultural diversity plays. And it was supposed to be a 10-minute play, and then we couldn't find a cast for it, because of course we couldn't find a cast for it. Um, and then it became a solo piece, and then it ran 20 minutes. So it's a piece that explores the intersection between my cultural heritage, uh, my father's West Indian, he's a first-generation immigrant, uh, first immigrant, and in Barbados, because that's where he's from, they don't really have you know, they have they have no gay rights, they have no LGBT rights at all. You look at the Wikipedia page, and it's just a, a row of red X's. And this piece is sort of exploring the friction between trying to claim that heritage and that identity while still identifying as trans, which is a language they completely don't understand and, and don't really respect either. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that both of those groups, trans people and people of West Indian heritage, are vastly underrepresented in media right now. I mean, you have Rihanna, and, and that's sort of it. And I just hope that offering an honest and personal take of stories rather than coming in from an outsider and observant perspective is going to do some good. You know, you've got the archetype of the, the queer fairy godmother, mm -hmm. and that's sort of the character who comes in and fixes everything, 
and I don't know how to write that because I'm not that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily fix every problem I come across. I try to, you know, show love and support and promote, like, communication and, and honesty among people that I meet and in my art and in my writing. Uh, but yeah, I think we need to delve into the things that are difficult, difficult about our identities and the things that, you know, like, I think we all have certain, like, doubts and fears that we try to keep buried so that we can support the team. And I think it's important to, especially in a, in a trans theater fest where, you know, there's so many of, of us from different walks of life with different intersecting identities to air that stuff out and be like, you know, I, like, I walk out and I'm afraid. And I'm not afraid because people tell me that I should or because I see these news stories of trans women being beaten and murdered. It's, it's because that guy looked at me weird and now the rest of my day is turned a little bit. Um, so I think we need to get down into the minutiae of what our real lives are like. Um, the, the play is essentially is about um, a character who is non-binary trans who goes with their father to Barbados for their grandfather's funeral. And the play is, right now, it's just the first day of being on the ground there and, and feeling this new place and having that disconnected sense of, I should have a sense of ownership and relationship to this place, but I feel alien in it. Mm. Um, and the fish fry is this wonderful, wonderful place in Barbados that is in Spitestown, and it's a place where the locals and the tourists sort of co-mingle, and it's just a big party that happens, I think, every night, all night, and it's fish being fried up, music being played, dancing, rum and cokes, you know, it's right on the beach, um, and it's this delightful place where there's not a lot of barriers between the culture and the tourist culture and the locals. It's, it's really fun. I just don't know, I don't know how you do all the voices, because it's very loud, and the music is, is constantly playing, and it's one of those things that you can sit down and eat a meal, or you can be up dancing, or you can be drinking on the beach, and I think they have, like, volleyball, you know, the, the, whole, the whole gamut of things. It's like a party every night in this one little corner that everybody's welcome to, which would do really well in the play. I just don't quite know how to execute that with just a single voice. Like, how do you show a party with a one-person show? Exactly. Yeah. I, you know, like, I, I would yeah. be sitting in the corner watching. I'm, I, you know, I wouldn't be out <laughs> dancing. I'm not that sort of person. So maybe that is a way into it. Maybe it's just me at a table watching. Um, that's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> it's honest. It's naked. I, I try to do my best to tell a simple story that is directly connected from my heart to the audience. And I think if people are looking for honest theater that has a little bit of cheek, but a hell of a lot of heart, like, this would be an interesting piece to see. Uh, my show is Mongrel, and it's playing at The Brick on Friday the 21st of July at 8.30, and then Tuesday the 25th and Saturday the 29th at 7pm. Uh, tickets are going to be available at The Brick Theatre, as for all the shows, I think. Now, while many of the pieces are uh, very straightforward, this is about my experiences, about my life, this is about something that has uh, happened to me that I connected with, uh, even, in, even with Laura's, it's about something that happened directly to a person, uh, I have to share, I was very surprised when I was visited by JPEG Format. Uh, JPEG format is an entity, which we'll get into, uh, and I, I honestly, there was smoke in the apartment for a little while, uh, it took forever to get that smoky smell out, I don't know if they intended to do this, uh, but here is, I, I've left my voice in this one as well so that you could see just how intriguing 
my encounter with JPEG format was. So I'm currently sitting in my apartment and this, I guess, form is what I will call them, uh, has shown up and wants to talk about the show that they are doing at the Trans Theater Fest. Uh, your name is JPEG Format, correct? Yes. All right. Uh, hello, JPEG Format. Uh, first off, what pronouns would you prefer me to use for you? I use they, them pronouns. So, JPEG Format, I am flattered that you've chosen this media, my podcast, to first lend your voice. We've not heard from you in any way, shape, or form uh, verbally. And so, even though I know you're, you're, you're using other technologies and other things to create this voice, why this podcast? Why us? I feel that it is the most appropriate. I have been very welcomed by this community of humans, and I have felt very accustomed to your ways of learning how to be. My voice is brand new because I am learning how to be as well, and knowing that no one will criticize me for the way I appear is comforting. Well, I have to say, I was hoping that it was because of our uh, wonderful takedown of Family Guy, but that's okay. That's also a great response. Thank you, JPEG Format. Yes. I'm still wrapping my head around the idea of talking to a, an entity as opposed to, say, a uh, what, what I would consider to be a, a normal human, so to speak. Uh, is that insulting if I say that, or is entity a perfectly fine way of describing you? That is perfectly accurate. Okay, thank you, JPEG Format. Um, so let's get into the questions then about your show for the Trans Theater Fest. Now, first off, do you actually consider it a show? Is this something else? Is it a performance? Like, what are we experiencing? It is a combination of a performance and collective experience. What I would like to bring to the audience is the feeling of alienation and helplessness that we disenfranchised people are experiencing. Okay, so you're not going to physically be there to perform the piece, correct? Other people are going to be performing this piece that you created. Yes, that is correct. Okay. Um, my, I, I'm curious then, wh like, because you are an entity and not a human, so do the human ideas of gender... Uh, race, etc., etc., do any of these apply to you at all? They do apply to me. I am fascinated by humans and their work and their struggle. I am here to help, in any way that I can. I am, after all, just a figment of your imagination. How else would there be a human-like entity in front of you now? I mean, I guess you got me there. Um, so... JPEG format, uh, the question then is, why this piece and why now? Why, uh, if you, as, a, as an entity who is from, I suppose, when you say your imagination, you're talking about a collective you as opposed to my specific imagination, why does this piece apply to the Trans Theater Fest? 
I calculated carefully about the different experiences that the community undergoes in simply trying to exist. I to understand that struggle, I would like to show others this experience that we have gone through. Whether or not people realize it, we are not all too different. But maybe, that is the frightening aspect to some people. Okay, JPEG, I, I see that, especially if you're, you're talking about the idea of you existing as an entity that is almost formed from our collective imaginations, since my imagination and a uh, number of other people from the Trans Theater Fest's imagination are also a part of it, then yeah, I guess I can kind of see how you're an entity that belongs in the Trans Theater Fest. I'm with it. Yes. The name of JPEG Format's show is Sterile, and it is playing Friday, July 21st at 10.40pm, Sunday, July 23rd at 6pm, and Wednesday, July 26th at 7pm. If a human-like entity, uh, going by the name of JPEG Format, manifesting itself with smoke and mirrors all throughout my apartment, doesn't teach me and teach you that... In fact, anything can happen at the Trans Theater Fest. I'm not sure what will. Speaking of anything that can and does happen, uh, I have to warn you, I, in my next interview, unfortunately there was some audio issue, there was an audio glitch, I'd been trying to fix it. Uh, it's still, I feel like we got it to a place where it's still very listenable and that's totally fine, uh, but... I, I wanted to include it because it is uh, an interview with Kit Yan and uh, their producing partner, Simone. And the two of them talk about the show that they have coming up, Testosterone. And it sounds like a beautiful show. I'm very excited about it, and I hope that you are too. So forgive the audio issues, if you will, and enjoy. Your story about this is way longer, so you should start. Um. <laughs> uh, we're actually not going to perform in this piece. Yeah. Ooh. So we're we're writers of testosterone. Um, individually, we are both performers mm-hmm. of poetry, and um, I perform in theater. But for this show, um, we get to we get to watch. Yeah, we're just behind the scenes. Okay. Um, and we started with testosterone through the civilians R&D residency group, um, which is about research-based theater. And this is the first time that we really worked together to write a piece. Because um, I've been working for Kit for a long time, but this is the first time we're really working exactly side by side. So testosterone is a documentary play so it's investigative theater we've been working for a year now um, interviewing each other interviewing people around the country and then uh, getting survey responses from folks about their relationship with testosterone it's a wide range of folks who have written in um, trans identifying gender non-conforming people who do not take testosterone people who have really strong feelings about not taking testosterone all sorts of folks um, on the spectrum of TGNC identity and we took all of those interviews and distilled it and channeled a lot of those voices into a play that is essentially about four characters um, two best friends Lee and Blue who go to Planned Parenthood 
uh, Lee to get off testosterone and Blue to get on testosterone and their chosen family. So Lee's partner, Christine, who is a trans woman and Blue's sibling, um, why am I blanking? Jack. Jack. Trans <laughs> feminine person. And so you, uh, in the play, you watch these four characters' relationships with each other, testosterone, and the medical industrial system. Um, well, one thing that I came across in the interviews that I hadn't thought about like when I was starting this project was the role of testosterone blockers um, for trans women and people and trans women. And uh, a really amazing interview subject kind of brought that to light for me and was like testosterone and blocking it or not blocking it is really important for a lot of trans feminine people too and I'd really like to see that in the play and we were like oh, okay so that was something that was I mean I wasn't surprised because I was aware of testosterone blockers but I was mm. it was something that kind of like wasn't expected to come up in this process yeah even what's at stake um and and some people's experiences with like friends and death around around that as well uh, some some very surprising and but very important things that, and surprising because it just came up more than I had anticipated in our research was um, people's feelings about testosterone and um, mental health and mental illness and folks who have experienced really negative stigma in in medicine and with um, doctors and nurses who have um, our character, one of the characters in our play, um, who's like a, a blogger, like a side character, uh, comes up and talks about have, being bipolar and then also people discouraging them from taking testosterone um, at the same time. And that, that came up a couple of times when we were talking to folks. Uh, and, and I think it's a really important thing to talk about, your, your agency over your body, um, and making your own decisions about your your mental health and your physical health. Yeah, I mean, the other thing that I thought was surprising was just, like, how many people were willing to admit that, like, they weren't sure about taking testosterone. Like, they had misgivings or their, like, process took a long time. And, like, when you're someone who's going who has gone through that or is going through that, like me, it kind of seems like you're the only one because there's this narrative of, like, I'm a dude, so I'm going to take testosterone. It's going to be great, and I'm never going to have any regrets. But, like, it definitely was really clear that that is not such a easy, like, linear process for people. And it was surprising just, like, how many times, like, over and over we'd hear that. Um, so that was both surprising and just exciting. I also got the chance to ask Kit a couple of questions about curating this year, as this is a uh, new thing for him. Uh, and... I wanted to know what it's like to curate a festival specifically about trans individuals. Well, uh, I didn't curate last year, but I was in the festival and I got to watch, I would say, most of the shows in the festival last year. And it was just an exciting thing to do to be able to see so many trans shows. And this year, when I was reading through all the material, it was just so exciting to see a critical mass of trans art and theater. Um, there was such, you know, there was a range of voices, people looking at lots of different uh, sort of subjects. You know, a lot of things came in that were trans-focused and themed, but a lot of things 
a lot of the art that we make, it's not about what cis people make about us. It's not about, you know, a, a binary transition narrative. It's not about like a, like a cis lens watching us do things with our genitals. It's not about like us answering a bunch of questions and explaining our bodies. It's just, it's just art about the things that lots of trans and gender non-conforming people care about, which range from video games to virtual reality to um, really deep questions about testosterone and health to like reimagining um, folk tales. It's it, it was like a really beautiful range of of experiences and and stories. If you would like to see Testosterone, it will be playing only Saturday, July 29th at 3.30 p.m. Tickets are $15. If you'd like to buy tickets to any of these productions, go to BrickTheater.com and click on the link on the side to the Trans Theater Festival. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, I know that we didn't talk about Oddity at all. Don't worry, that's coming. Oddity is the show that I wrote all about a trans man uh, who wakes up in a facility in the center of the earth and only knows that he's there to solve a series of grisly murders. Uh, but don't worry, we'll be hearing from Kelsey and Ariel, people that you've heard from before if you've been listening to the podcast, uh, who are both involved in the show. But in about two weeks, you'll we'll have another episode based around these same folks that are creating for the Trans Theater Fest. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit more about some worries that they have for their production, as well as some of their uh, the things that they're excited about. So it's going to be a good time. Uh, and I swear that I'll get it as close to on time as possible, but we may have to talk, you know, you and me as a transphobic audience about whether it's realistic for me to put things out on a regular every other Thursday basis, first and third Thursday, or whether we can open it up to a first and third week at some point basis. But we'll talk, don't worry. For now, this is Ashley Lauren Rogers. You can find us at Is It Transphobic on Twitter. You can also look me up at AshleyLaurenRogers.com if you're interested. There's a whole page to, devoted to Is It Transphobic. Please donate to our Patreon, and I hope to see you at the Trans Theater Fest. If you see me there, say hi. If you don't know what I look like, don't worry about it. Just enjoy some trans theater. Is It Transphobic was produced, edited, and coordinated by Ashley Lauren Rogers. The Is It Transphobic logo was created by Phoenix Sweeney, and you can see more of their work at tinylionroars.github.io. The original music you heard was all created by Vivian Aladrin, who you can find on Bandcamp at vivianaladrin.bandcamp.com.